The Mutual Audio Network, where relaxation and imagination blend. Listen responsibly. Following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. You should experience lots of explosions with no body parts. Parents should be ready to cover their ears. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Once again, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. Each season, the Summerstock players from a variety of audio drama companies provide for your pleasure the very best in classic audio plays on our stage. I'm your announcer and your host tonight, David Alt, and uh, yeah, you're, that um, uh, that name should be on the list. Yeah, no, 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 no under VIPs. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, A A U L T A A. Yeah, right at the top. There. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yes. Yep. Still, um, I'm here to kick off the 2012 season, and as I just go through the corridors here. Up to the box where I'm going to be seeing. No. Still, I'm here to kick off the 2012 season. And as I just make my way up to my box, it is my pleasure to let you know that this evening's performance is Broken Sea doing X-1's Gun for Dinosaur, which sounds very, very interesting indeed. I'm very looking forward to to hearing that. If you haven't listened to Maudlin and Gaia over at Broken Sea, do go and have a little listen there. They do very good stuff over there. But, uh, oh, ooh. Hey, they've got nice seats here. I suppose that's what you get from the box seats, isn't it? Looks like I've arrived just in time as well. Now, here's the program. Yep, there we go. Broken Sea. X-1 gun for dinosaur. And, uh, oh, yep. Looks like Looks like we're about to start. Uh, no, no, my name was on the list. No, this is my seat. It's, look, there's a gentleman. Starting. Countdown for blastoff. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown, come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X-1. Tonight's story, A Gun for Dinosaur, by L. Sprague de Camp. 
Uh, just whiskey, please. No soda. Ice, Mr. Rivers? Good heavens, no. I've been in America for some time, but not that long. Well, to a fine dinosaur, eh? Well, now, just a moment, Mr. Seligman. I won't take you hunting late Mesozoic dinosaur. Why not? How much do you weigh? About nine stone? 130 pounds. Yeah, I thought so. It's not heavy enough. But your advertisement, you said safaris arranged to any time period. Well, I'll take you to any period in the Cenozoic. I'll get you a shot at any entelodont or even mammoth or mastodon. And they have fine heads. But I'll jolly well not take you to the Jurassic or the Cretaceous. You're just too small. Well, what's my weight got to do with it? Now, look here, old boy. What do you think they're going to shoot these dinosaurs with? Well, I... Well, look over here in this case. That is my own gun, a Continental 600. That shoots a pair of Nitro Express cartridges the size of bananas. It's designed for knocking down elephant. Not just wounding them, but knocking them base over apex. Well, now, I've handled guns. Oh? Look, I've been guiding hunting parties for over 20 years, but I've never known a man your size who could handle the 6 naught naught. It knocks him over. But people have killed elephants with either guns. Even a 375. Ah, yes. Consider. An elephant weighs, well, let's say from four to six tons. You're planning to shoot reptiles weighing two to three times as much as an elephant. Now, I'll tell you, Mr. Seligman, I won't take anybody hunting dinosaur who can't handle a six naught naught. Look, let's pour another drink and I'll tell you why. You see, I went into the partnership with the Raja about five years ago. I call him that because he's the hereditary monarch of Janpur. That means nothing, of course. We both wanted to do a bit of hunting again. And Africa's all played out. It's too civilised now. So when we heard of Professor Prochaska's time machine at Washington University, we caught the next plane to St. Louis. The foundation administering the machine had worked out an arrangement splitting time between scientific parties and hunters who wanted to try their luck at prehistoric game. <laughs> hunters paid through the nose, of course, to support the project. Well, it was about our fifth safari that Courtney James showed up. He's what you chaps call a playboy. A big bloke, handsome in a way, florid, beginning to turn to fat. He was on his fourth wife. And then he showed up at the office with a blonde. I assumed that she was the fourth Mrs. James. He left her in the outer office and corrected my assumption. Bunny? Oh no, she's not my wife. My wife's in Mexico, I think. Getting a divorce, but... Bunny here would like to go along. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't take ladies. Not to the late Mrs. Oak. If she wants to go, she'll go. She skis and flies my airplane, so why shouldn't she? There are enough risks at 85 million BC without adding to them. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's against the firm's policy. Now look here. I'm paying you a lot of money. I'm entitled. You can't hire me to do anything against my best judgment. Now, if that's how you feel, get another guide. All right, all right. But let me tell you... Oh, it ended with my telling him to get out of the office or I'd throw him out. I was thinking sadly of all that lovely money that James would have paid me. When in came another sahib, an August Holtzinger. Slim, bald chap with glasses. Mr. Rivers, I 
don't want you to think I'm here under false pretenses. I, I'm not really much of an outdoorsman, and I'll probably be scared to death when I see a real dinosaur. <laughs> well, most of us are frightened at first, but uh, it doesn't do to speak of it. Well, 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 you see, I've always run a grocery store till my uncle died, and, uh, well, I've, uh... I got a great deal of money now. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm building a new house. Well, I'm engaged, you know, and getting married, and, uh, well, darn it, I'm just determined to hang a dinosaur head over my fireplace or, or, or die in the attempt. A ceratopsian, I think. That, 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 that's the one with the big horned head and, and the frill over the neck, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, you want to think twice about that, you know? If you put a seven-foot triceratops head into a small living room... There's apt to be no room left for anything else. Well, I, I, I know it's ridiculous, but, but, but I'm determined to do something big for once. Since there's no more real big-time hunting, well, I'm going to shoot a dinosaur, and, and I'm going to hang its head over my mantle. I, 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 I'd never be happy otherwise. <sighs> the Raja and I decided to make it to the Middle Cretaceous. That's about, oh... 85 million years ago. It's the best period for dinosaur in Missouri. So we drove Holtzinger into the country to let him try out the 6 North North. Oh, that's, 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 it's, it's rather heavy. Look, you look out, there's quite a kick. Well, yeah, couldn't, couldn't you fire it prone? Uh, no, not a gun that big. There's not enough give. You'd break your shoulder. All right, uh, take the safety off. Ah. Uh. Like, uh, like this. Oh, oh. oh, oh my. Yeah, take my hand. I'll help you. Oh, well, I, 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 thank you. I, I, I think I'd better try something smaller. Well, he took a fancy to my Manchester 70, chambered for a 375 Magnum cartridge. That's a little light for elephant and very definitely light for dinosaur. But we were in a hurry. And then, of course, just before we were ready to trek, James showed up and apologised for insulting me. He'd had a run-in with the girl and he wanted to go along. And so we were off on safari. Ready, gentlemen? Why, yes, yes, I suppose so. Now, Mr. Holtzinger, you've met my partner, the Rajar of Janfur. How do you do, sir? Well, how, how, how do you do? Well, shall we get cracking? After you, Mr. Holtzinger, Mr. James. Uh, thank you. Let's get going. All set. Well, slam the hatch and off we go. Uh, what, what, what happens? Uh, nothing. Until the force field is built up. Now there she goes. What happens to the lights? Well, there's no current while we're in transition. Oh, I, I, I don't feel well. <laughs> there's usually a touch of vertigo. No, I wouldn't worry about it. Look, where do you shoot for? I mean, with dinosaur. What's the best shot? Well... You don't try for his brain, you know? They don't have any. Well, to be exact, they have a little bump about the size of a tennis ball on the top of their spines, and you're not likely to hit it when it's embedded in a six-foot skull. Try for the heart. They have big hearts. 
over a hundred pounds and excluding shell in the heart will slow them down at least. Oh, 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 I see. Why do we have to go so far for game? Why couldn't we just go back 50 years and shoot lions in Africa? Well, the machine won't work more recently than a hundred thousand years ago. Why? Well, I, look, I'm no four-dimensional expert on the subject, but it has something to do with what they call time paradox. You know, if people could go back to recent times, they might do something to affect history or kill their own grandfather, you know? And there's also some kind of taboo about sending people back to the same time again. Nah, it's paradoxes. Mustn't have them. What would, uh, what would happen? I'm not sure, but the university isn't taking chances. They've got about a billion years to cover. They won't run out of errors. Hello, here we go. Now, cheers, eh? Well, that's done it. April 24th, 85 million years BC. Now then, careful. Keep the safety on your gun and don't shoot unless I give the word. Why? Why should we have to wait for you? Because I'm responsible for everything you do. Especially if something goes wrong. I say, Roger, open the door, will ya? In this period, the time chamber materialises on top of a rocky rise. At the west, you can see the arm of the Kansas Sea that reaches across Missouri and the big swamp where the sauropods live. To the east, land slopes up to a plateau. Good for ceratopsians. The finest thing about the Cretaceous is the climate. It's balmy, like the South Sea Islands, and not so muggy as the Jurassic. Oh, we set the time chamber back off and looked about. It was spring, with the dwarf magnolias in bloom all over. Down towards the Kansas Sea, cycads and willows grew, while the uplands were covered with screw pine and ginkgos. Yeah, well, I'm no ruddy poet, but I can appreciate a beautiful scene. While I was looking through the haze and sniffing the air... I got him! I got him! What the devil? Did you see it there? Confound it, you idiot. I told you not to shoot without a word from me. And what happened? An ornithomime wandered out of the copse. Mr. James gave him both barrels. Missed. Now, look here, James. One of the biggest dangers on a safari is a trigger-happy sahib who gets panicky. You're not to shoot unless you're told. Do you understand? Who do you think you are to tell me when to shoot my own game? Now, look here. Firstly, if you shoot off all your ammunition before the trip is over, your gun won't be available in case of a pinch. And secondly, if you emptied both barrels, what would happen if a big theropod should charge you before you could reload? And finally, it's not sporting to shoot everything in sight. Is that clear? All right. All right. Oh, now then. First task is fresh meat. As I told you, Holtzinger wanted a Ceratopsian head. James insisted on a Tyrannosaur. Then everybody would think that he'd shot the most dangerous game. The fact is, the Tyrannosaur's overrated, but everybody's read about the Tyrant Lizard. And well, he does have the biggest head of the Theropods. Oh, and he'll snap you up if he gets the chance, no fear. Well, we started off searching for meat. Raja and I put the Sahibs in front. We tell them it's so they'll get the first shot. Which is true, but another reason is that they're always tripping and falling with their guns cocked, and if the guide were in front, he'd get shot. 
boneheads. Where? See, crouching over there, feeding on those cycads. About the size of a man. Well, they look intelligent. No, not likely. That bulge on the head is solid bone. Now then, hold on there, James. You've had your shot for the day. Hold your fire until Holtzinger shoots. Yeah, sure. Sure. All right. Go ahead, Mr. Holtzinger. Doesn't matter uh, uh, which one? No. Here, try that one by the rock. There's a good, clear shot. Well, take your safety off. Oh, 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 yeah. Go ahead now. Well, shh. Oh, nuts. I've had enough of this. James, don't! I got him clean. Right through the heart. First shot. How is that? Oh, I thought you were going to give Mr. Holtzinger the first crack. It's his turn. Well, I waited. Took so long, I thought he'd gotten buck fever. Very well. But if this sort of thing happens once more, we'll leave you at camp the next time we go out. The next couple of days, we trekked around the neighbourhood and then headed over to the Sauropod Swamp over to the west. We were staked out along the edge of the lake, watching a big beggar out in the swamp, waving his head about, and they're the big ones. They look something like the brontosaur. Can't we shoot him? Oh, I wouldn't. Why not? Well, there's no point to it, and it's not sporting. Look, if you kill one in the water, he sinks and can't be recovered. And if you kill one on land, well, the only trophy is that little head on the top of that long neck. We can't bring that whole beast back because he weighs 30 tons or more. Well, that, that, that museum in New York got one. Oh, yes, but they sent a party of 48 to the early Cretaceous with a 50 caliber machine gun. They spent two solid months hacking and sawing the carcass apart and hauling it to the time machine. I know the chap on the project and he still has nightmares in which he smells decomposed dinosaur. And they also had to kill a dozen big theropods who came in for the party. Then they had them lying around too. They lost three men. Reggie, that bill. Where? Where are they? Up there, at the shoreline. Now keep your voices down. You see? With the crest on the back of their heads. Mr. Rivers, I've been thinking over what you said about those heads. If I could get one of those duck bills, I'd be satisfied. Now, now, it'd look big enough over my mantle, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm sure of it, old boy. Well, let's be off. Roger, you wait here with Mr. James. Shouldn't take us long. Let's be off. Hulk and I crept along the shoreline, narrowing the range to the duckbills. I, I, I think I can make the shot from here. I'll, I'll be ready in a minute. My, my dang shoe is loose. He's getting away. I, 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 I won't get a shot. I'm afraid Mr. James has fired both barrels again. 
James, that's the second time you spoiled my shot. I, I, I oughta... Don't be a fool. I couldn't let them wander into camp stamping everything flat. There was no danger of that. You can see that the water is deep offshore. It's just that our trigger-happy Mr. James can't see any animal without shooting. And if it did get close, all you'd have to do is throw a stick of firewood at it. They're perfectly harmless. Well, how was I to know? I believe I mentioned it. Well, what are we on this miserable trip for except to shoot things? There are certain rules, you know. You call yourselves hunters. I'm the only one who's hitting anything. Now, just a moment, old man. You're behaving like a confounded skite with more money than brains. I should never have brought you along. That's how you feel. Give me some food and I'll go back to the base by myself. Now, don't be a bigger ass than you can help. That's quite impossible. All right, I'll go alone. I wouldn't want to pollute your air with my presence. That's an attractive thought, Reggie. But we can't let him go. He'd get lost or starve. Uh, All right, I'll go after him. We stumbled along for several more days, James on his good behaviour for a change, and on the 1st of May we broke camp and headed north to the hills. Ah, it was hot and sticky. We were soon panting and sweating like horses when I picked up the smell of carrion and heard the thrumming of the flies. We found a huge ceratopsian lying dead in a little hollow on the edge of the copse. He must have weighed six or eight tonnes alive. Why couldn't I have gotten him before he died? That would have made a darn fine head. Look on your toes, chaps. The theropod that's been at this carcass is probably nearby. How do you know? See how the hide's been ripped off and the bones are scattered? Theropods will hang around a carcass like this for weeks, gorging and then sleeping their meals off for days at a time. What, 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 what do we do? Well, that's just what we came after. Raja, you take Mr. James through that way and we'll parallel your 40 feet distance. Now, keep your eyes open. You'll be hard to see in these woods unless you're right on top of them. We pushed through the edge of the copse, looking for the huge flesh eater who'd been at the carcass. I could hear James and the Raja pushing ahead on my right. We were separated by a gully when I heard a noise ahead on our left. What is it? I don't know. Take the safety off your gun. Oh, oh, there it is. It's one of those boneheads. Ah, well, they're not dangerous at any rate. But be careful, that theropod might still be around. I've got it. I've got him, please. Oh, well, he's done it again. He shot the bonehead. Look out! Look out! Tyrannosaurus! Tyrannosaur heaved his head out of the shrubbery just in front of us. The scientists can insist that Rex is bigger than Trionychus, but I'll swear that this Tyrannosaur was bigger than any Rex ever hatched. It must have stood 20 feet high and been 50 feet long. I could see its big bright eye and its 6 inch teeth. He'd been sleeping off his last meal and James fired off both barrels over his head at the bonehead and woke the Tyrannosaur up.
Get back, you fool! Reggie! Guys, you can't get a shot. Confound it. There goes the beast in behind those ferns. Holtzinger! Holtzinger, come back. Your gun's too right for that beggar. James came bolting back in a panic and blundered into the Raja, sending both of them sprawling under the ferns. The Tyrannosaur came after them to snap them up. Holtzinger began to blaze away. He got off three shots through the beast's body with that little white gun. The Tyrannosaur whirled around to see what was stinging it. The jaws came open and the head swung round and down again. Holtzinger got off one more shot and tried to leap to one side. The Tyrannosaur continued its lunge and caught him in its jaws as he fell. Stand clear! It's no use, there he goes. Try a long shot. Ah, missed him clean. Oh, I'll see. Well, that's the end. He stopped screaming. Did you notice? Oh, yes. Well, I expect we best track the beast. He, he might be dying. We should try to cover Holtzinger's remains. Yes. There's nothing else to do. No, nothing. A bad show all round. An hour later we gave up and went back to the glade, very dismal. Where have you two been? We were occupied. The late Mr. Holtzinger, remember? You shouldn't have gone off and left me. Another of those things might have come along. What? Isn't it bad enough to lose one hunter through your stupidity? What? Sure. You put us in front of you, so if anybody gets eaten, it's one of us. That's... You stinking little swine. If you hadn't been a first-class idiot and blown those two barrels again, this never would have happened. Holtzinger died trying to save your worthless life. And I wish you'd failed. Well then, my lad, I'm glad you did that. It gives me a chance I've been waiting for. <laughs> now get up, and I'll be glad to finish you off. You won't finish anybody off. All right, put your hands up. Both of you. Put that gun away. Don't be an idiot. I won't let anybody do that to me. You can't get away with murder. Why not? Won't be much left of you after you're hit with a 600 explosive shell. Nobody can prove anything. They can't hold you for a murder 85 million years old. Statute of limitation. <laughs> nice work, Roger, old chap. Yes. Cretaceous rock. Doesn't quite have the balance of a cricket ball. But it's a bit harder. What? Well, suppose we tie this chap up and take him back to camp. When the time transition chamber finally arrived, we fell over one another getting into it. We dumped James in a corner and threw the switches. Why? 
You don't have a particularly good head. You wouldn't look at all well over a mantle. You can laugh, but I'll get you someday. <laughs> Close quarters, isn't it? Someday, I'll find a way. I'll find a way and I'll get off scot-free too. My dear chap, if there was some way to do it, I'd have you charged with Holtzinger's murder. Look, you'd best let well enough alone. No, no, I'll kill you. Both of you. Somehow. Uh, cigarette, Raja. Thanks. When we came out in the prison, we handed him his empty gun, and off he went. We paid everybody off and found that we were broke. But, quite luckily, a steel manufacturer turned up who wanted a mastodon head for his den. Well, we were standing in the laboratory at the university, waiting for the time chamber. The technician, he's a bookish chap, theoretical temporal physicist, was watching his dials and scope. Mr. Rivers, you've just missed him. Missed who? That last client of yours, Mr. James. <laughs> well, that's good luck. What was he doing here? Oh, he told me quite a tale. Said he'd lost his wallet back there. That it contained some very valuable papers. <laughs> it must have been valuable. He paid the university fee of $5,000 for the use of the chamber. He's on his way back there now. Back where? Well, he told me to send him back a few minutes before you arrived the last time. Then he could see himself drop the wallet. <laughs> He's going to stand there and watch himself come out? Yeah, but um, doesn't that create what you chaps call a, a paradox? What happens when he tries... What happens when a man tries to occupy the same time twice? Well, we don't know. It's never been tried before. We tried to warn him, but he insisted. Yeah, I know. He's a headstrong chap. Still, you wouldn't think he'd chance it just for the sake of a wallet. Was he armed? Yes, he had a 375 Express. 375? That's odd. He knows it's too light for a dinosaur. Yeah, but not too light for a man. I say, Roger, you don't think Mr. James is lurking behind a bush back there until we show up again, planning to pot us as we step out? That's impossible. We already did step out of the chamber and nothing happened. Yeah, but that was before Mr. James was waiting with an express rifle cocked. Hey, Doctor. Oh, you mean he's he's planning to murder the two of you? Hmm, no, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I, uh, I don't suppose there's anything you could do to stop the process now. No, it's too late. The chamber's in transition now. Uh, look, hadn't you better get out of here before he kills you? Well, there's no point in running. If Mr. James's theory is right, we've both been dead for 85 million years. Might as well wait, see what happens. Transition point, coming up. Well, it's been quite a world up to this point, eh, Raja? Yes. Great. Here it goes. Are you alright? Oh, I seem to be. What happened? The time chamber. It's back. We better get it open. Good lord. Look at that. Ghastly, isn't it? Where did it come from? I'm not sure. But I rather think it came from the Middle Cretaceous era. 
It wasn't here a moment ago. Ghastly mess. Looks as if every board was pulverised and every blood vessel burst. I dare say. But that's his gun all right. It's James. There's no doubt about it. So that's the story, Mr. Seligman. Now, of course, I don't understand the mathematics, but the idea is rather easy to grasp. Nobody had shot us when we first emerged on the 24th of April, 85 million BC, so of course, that couldn't be changed. The instant James started doing anything that would make a paradox, the space-time continuum snapped him forward and ripped him to bits. Well, they know a good deal about that now, and there's a safety margin of 500 years between each trip. You can't have paradoxes, you know? It just isn't done. And you see, I'm a lot more careful now. I shouldn't have taken James when I knew what a spoiled, unstable sort he was. Or a Holtzinger either, when I saw that he was too small to shoot a dinosaur gun. I've handled guns. With a heavier gun, he probably would have knocked the Tyrannosaur down and saved his own life. So, Mr. Seligman, that's why I won't take you to that period to hunt. But your advertisement. I'm sorry, but you're just too light. You're not big enough to handle a gun for dinosaur. listening to Broken Sea Audio Productions, old-time radio recreation of A Gun for Dinosaur. The story was originally written by L. Sprague de Camp for the March 1956 issue of Galaxy Science Fiction. The radio adaptation of this story first aired on March 3rd, 1956, as part of the science fiction anthology radio drama series X-1. This series first aired on NBC from April 24, 1955 until January 9, 1958, for a total of 124 episodes. Tonight's cast included Joe Stofko as the narrator, Paul Mannering as Rivers, Mark Kalita as the Raja, John Bell as Holtzinger, Lothar Tuppen as Courtney James, David Subkoyak as Mr. Seligman, Stevie K. Farnaby as the technician, and Bill Holweg as the bartender. With music by Brian Bokikio of Seraphic Panoply, Peter Wicks of Westlake Films, Stevie K. Farnaby, Howlo, and Celestial Eon Project. This show was mixed by Bill Holweg. I am Mark Kalita, and this has been a Broken Sea Audio Production. And that's this week's performance for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. 
All productions, performances, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society podcast and Electric Vicuna Productions. Any shows that continue their run must have explicit permission from all parties involved. Join us next week at the Playhouse for another classic performance. With thanks to this week's host, I am your announcer, David Alt. From me, good night. Time of COVID-19, CDC asks you keep your hands clean. Don't congregate and kindly shelter in place. Also wash your hands and don't touch your face. So use soap and water and grab a clean towel and don't be a Jonah. Prevent spread of Corona by washing your hands. Olay! This was a public service announcement from the Mutual Audio Network.